This is the Home Service Expert Podcast with Tommy Mello. Let's talk about bringing in some more money for your home service business. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the home service millionaire, Tommy Mello. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. This is our 100th episode, so it's going to be a really special one. Standing here outside of the building at A1 Garage Doors. The reason I'm standing here is because we're going to be interviewing a lot of my employee of the month. Uh, My marketing manager, we're going to be going through my call center manager, one of my top performers in the call center, a couple of my technicians. This one's going to be really, really special. Everything's about culture here, leadership. We're not here to manage employees. We're here to build leaders. The more leaders we have, the more projects we can take on, the faster we can grow. We want to get to a billion dollars. What does a billion dollar company look like? It's 2,000 technicians. How do we get 2,000 technicians? Well, in the next three years, we need to get over 600 technicians a month or a year onboarded and doing at least a half a million dollars a year. So 2,000 times half a million dollars brings us to a billion dollar company, and we will hit those numbers. I promise you that. I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast. It means a lot to us that you guys listen and continue to listen next year. I promise I'm going to have on better and better guests. It's just going to keep delivering value and hopefully make your business stronger. I have Andrew. Andrew works in the marketing department, and he's in charge of quite a lot of things we're going to talk about that he does. I think the two main things that a business needs to do well is marketing and sales. And he heads up the whole department. He's got his own key performance indicators he looks at. So we're going to spend about 10 to 15 minutes with Andrew, and then we're going to have other people from Dispatch, Call Center, and some of our MVPs out in the field. So, Andrew... You want to introduce yourself, tell them how long you've been here? Yeah, um, my name is Andrew, and like Tommy said, um, I handle all things marketing here at A1. Um, I've been here um, about a year and a half now. Um, But yeah, I um, take care of everything from a lot of the digital, um, a lot of our traditional advertising being print, um, and uh, other aspects of the advertising and marketing department we do here at A1. So we've got a lot of stuff going. Actually, about a third of our revenue comes from, probably half of the revenue, if we include pay-per-click, comes from Google. Right. So we got a lot of work on the website, and then there's a lot of stuff going on with print. So how many call tracking numbers are we up to? Like 3,900? Yeah. We have about, yeah, a little bit under 4,000 tracking numbers. So tell us a little bit about why we decided to go that route. Um, really, it's to, to find out who your winners are, who the losers are, putting your resources into the the marketing and advertising that's winning, um, finding out um, how we leverage different things, um, but basically to see who the winners are, who the losers are, put our resources into the things that are winning, grow those, um, but it's basically to, to decide that. Yeah, so it's just tracking each and every single zone. So in a money mailer or Valpac or Clipper, they usually go 10,000 homes per zone. And then we know there's a separate tracking number on there. It's a local number. And we also make the whole ad local to that community. So in Sun City, we have a picture of an elderly couple because it's 55 plus. And what we found was the conversion rate goes through the roof, right, when we customize those. Right. Yeah, anything that we can do, um, part of that tracking, too, is because we're so localized. Every piece of marketing, every piece of advertising, digital print, whatever, uh, we try to make it as locally relevant as possible. Um, So when we put those tracking numbers, we can see the results. Um, But yeah, we've had huge uh, success with doing that in the print. 
um, space, but online as well. Just making everything as relevant, um, especially with locations, pictures, um, that type of thing has had a huge impact um, on our ROI. So we're working on a lot of things coming into the new year. Uh, some of the stuff we're working on has a lot to do with data. And uh, one of the KPIs that we had a problem with was the online chat box, Yelp, uh, a Angie's List, Merchant Circle. I mean, it keeps going. What's some of the other ones? The home warranty companies. There's Porch. There's right. Thumbtack. There's. We never knew if the call center was really, it was coming into the inbox, but we weren't getting back to people fast enough, Home Advisor. Mm -hmm. So right now, Andrew's working with another teammate of ours that's really, what, what state, the country is he in? Portugal. Uh, Portugal. So we got a guy we're working with to put everything into one other CRM called Zoho. So what's going to end up happening is all of these leads come into Zoho, and anyone that's got a phone number will automatically call up on our VoIP service. So we've got a call center service that's voice over internet protocol, and those leads will be, boom, our call center picks it up, and it says press a number to connect to the customer. So now instead of waiting hours to get back to customers, we're creating accountability, and I think that's going to be huge. So Zoho actually has a, a, an API, which is complicated terms, application process interface, but what it does is it... Um, what is that called, the, the, the one for the uh, call center, where we can text and do voicemail drops? Twilio. Okay, yeah. So talk to us a little bit about how that's going and what it's going to do for our business. Yeah, I think that's a challenge um, a lot of businesses face is that you're getting messages from every which way possible. Not only are you getting calls, um, you're getting messages from your website, like Tommy mentioned, uh, Yelp. Home Advisor, Facebook, any social media site, all there's a thousand websites, um, and that, that's hard to manage. Honestly, when you have that forwarding to an uh, email inbox, you know your CSRs, your team might not be able to get to those messages in time. And we all know getting to those messages, you know, right away is is key um, to capturing these these leads and these jobs. Um, so what Zoho is going to do. Um, one of the big things is it's going to integrate all those inboxes into one master inbox, which is a huge thing. Um, we'll be able to get to all of our customers. You know, the goal is always to get with them to a minute, essentially, because um, a lot of these, you know, they're shop, they're in that discovery phase where they're shopping companies or sending you an email or uh, going to a few different websites and they're they're reaching out and saying, hey, how much is it? Um, you know, I want to quote for this, but they're not only going to our website, so we really need to capture them. Um, and, and get to them as soon as possible. So that's what Zoho is going to do for us uh, is really put everything in one space, um, which, you know, as you grow and as companies get bigger, um, the amount of messages you get from all over, um, it just becomes really hard to manage, but that's really going to help us out. So one of the things, <laughs> one of the things we're working on for 2020 is called Simulator Pro, and it simulates the, the new door on the home of exactly what it'll look like. But here's the cool thing. We bought a website called nominatemyneighbor.com. And what it's going to be when we start advertising it is you could nominate the ugly house in the neighborhood and put a picture of before and after. And so your neighbor nominated you to get a new garage or new windows or a new front door. I think that's pretty powerful. Uh, we spent a lot of money on pay-per-click. What is your take on PPC versus organic? Um, PPC is pretty powerful. I, I love the ability um, to, to scale as we need within you know an hour. If we have we have so many different marketplaces for our company, um, 
every different market has a different capacity, um, has different needs. So, you know, with PPC, we were able to turn that on um, as we need literally that day um, so we can get calls coming in that day. Um, it's obviously a little bit more expensive, but that's, you know, sort of the trade-off with the flexibility. You, you pay a little bit more, but you can get those, those jobs and those leads that you need right then. Um, compared to organic, organic's more, you know, long-term, but that's obviously um, really key because you're getting um, that free exposure, essentially. You put your money into your website, you put your money into your organic, your, your SEO strategy, but um, that's more of a long-term, but the PPC I see is a really good short-term filler between your traditional advertising pieces, your organic, to really fill in those gaps um, when you need it in different, um, different ways. Well, paid is high, super high quality, too. Um, right. Yep. I can tell you this. I work with at least 10 different pay-per-click companies. Uh, you name it, I work with them. And, and the thing about it is some of them will get you a lot of calls, but they're not quality calls. So you really got to look and compare your average ticket, and your CRM should be able to do this, to that advertising source. Because I'll pay $1,000 for a lead if they're wood overlay garage doors, and then I'm getting $7,500. I don't want to pay much more than $20 if I'm getting only tune-ups or reprogramming remotes. Uh, we're working on some pretty cool things. I don't want to put everything out of the bag, but one of the things, just talk a little bit about, and we don't need to go into details, but okay. the handwritten cards. Uh, kind of explain that process. And, and Yeah, I don't know how many details Tommy wants me to reveal, uh, but uh, we're working with this uh, really cool company that... Um, does some automated uh, handwritten cards for us. So it's not actually a person writing them. It's a uh, CNC machine. Yeah. Um, but basically, they're open to a lot of integrations with our CRM. Um, so just the ability to send out at scale uh, personalized cards for any any occasion we want, um, either it be your yearly tune-up uh, checkup or, you know, a follow-up on a quote. Um, that's or... Kind of, you know, some of the things we're doing is welcome to your new home. We're pulling some data right now. Welcome to your new home. And what's cool about that is you change the locks on your door, don't you, when you move in a new house. That's pretty pretty normal, but most people don't change their transmitters. So the old owner has access to the keypad and everything. Not to mention, programming a, a car is pretty difficult. An Audi, you need to go to the front right light to program it. It's complicated. So we're going to be sending a mailer, a handwritten card to every single person that buys a house with a garage door. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Um, some of the things we're looking at in marketing that we're going to be pulling into our CRM, this is going to aggregate data. I want to know their credit score. I want to know how long they lived in the house. I want to know their annual combined income. I want to know things like how many doors do they have at their house. How powerful is this data these days? Data is everything. It's, it's so, so here's the thing, people, I know a guy, and actually Giuseppe was with me when we interviewed him, does $8.5 million in tens of codes in Dallas because he just owns, they, they, they penetrate 10% or more of a community. And when you could do that, and you, they call it marketing to the affluent, it's a game changer. So I can tell you this, the biggest mistake I see in marketing is people say, Valpack doesn't work. Pay-per-click doesn't work. They don't do things like BirdEye. Hey, if you guys want, tell them a little bit about BirdEye and that they can get a better deal if they call us because... Yeah, absolutely. Um, we are a partner with BirdEye. Um, we can get you on BirdEye. Uh, we have fantastic wholesale pricing, but essentially what it is, um, it's helped us, I mean, not only 
uh, with our reputation management, but it's boosted us organically too. Um, but essentially, you need to get bird eye. Yeah, it, it's uh, it integrates with your CRM, or you can do it in different ways. You can do it manually, but it's best to integrate with your CRM. They integrate with hundreds and hundreds of CRM. If you're not using a CRM, you can still use it. You can still benefit from it. Um, really what it does is every single customer that you uh, go out to a job with uh, sends an SMS and an email um, to all your review sites, but it doesn't only do that. Um, it gives you a whole dashboard. You can have a ticketing system. You really capture negative uh, feedback before it goes live. That's a big thing. Um, it's helped us boost our ratings. I mean, we've gotten thousands of reviews just in the last few months. Um, it's been a huge boost. I mean, people see that. Any type of advertising that you're you're sending out there, people are looking you up on Google. It's just a known fact. Um, and when they see those high star ratings, those quality reviews, it just converts them so much easier and they call you. Um, but we've gotten a huge amount of calls, a huge revenue boost, um, but it's been awesome for us. It's easy, yeah. it's simple, you let it run, you get the reviews, you have the ticketing, the dashboard, everything. It's awesome. So the cool thing about BirdEye is, this is cool, but kind of not cool, because I get text every time we get a one star, right. and I got two this weekend. But at the end of the day, if we're getting 20 reviews and only one of them is a one star, one star has happened. One star has happened because maybe they didn't like the price, maybe we ran late. I mean, look, with over 100 technicians, there's going to be some obstacles. I always say 1% of the population, it's impossible to please these people. Um, one of the cool things we're doing is we just hired a full-time recruiter. So what I want you to think about as we listen to the podcast and really go through what A1's doing is marketing is not just for customers. It's also for internal customers, which are employees. So we're setting up a lot of our campaigns. We do an email to past customers. So when we're looking for, tell us a little bit about what we did when we went to, I don't know, Albuquerque or one of our markets that we actually did an email blast. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we have that huge customer base. And uh, like I said, we have a tons of happy, awesome customers that love us. Um, so why not recruit from them? The, they might have that nephew, that grandson, um, whoever, um, that would be perfect fit. Um, so, yeah, we email our past customers saying, you know, hey, thank you again for being, you know, our customer. Um, you know, by the way, you know, we're hiring. You know, we want to attract, you know, career driven people. Um, and have that those you know family values that we have as a family company that's you know growing. Um, so yeah, we do the email uh, blast to our existing customers, but we also do um, Facebook ads that do really well. Um, a lot of people don't realize that you know everyone's on social media, but for recruiting, you know it's it's a little bit different of a technique than just hitting Indeed, hitting LinkedIn. Um, you know, career gotten, builder, yeah, right, all those, yeah. yeah. Facebook, we've had tremendous success recruiting from Facebook. Um, and it is cheap. It's really cheap to get uh, really good applicants um, from all over the country just from the simple Facebook ad that we did. So one of the cool things with all this technology we're working on is we can scrape data from websites. So you might say, well, what would you want to scrape? So right now we're working on scraping from Facebook and LinkedIn, anybody that works at a discount tire or big O, because those are the perfect people to fix crossroads. We found out that that's the perfect demographic. And we found out that it's better to steal some an employee from another company than it is to go on the hiring boards because if they're unemployed in this economy, there's something wrong. So we scrape the data. We found out everybody that works at these places. And then we skip trace that to get their mailing address and their phone number. Then we send them a voicemail blast and a handwritten letter. What could be better than that? Nothing. I just think it's, it's so cool. So 
Just wanted to tell you guys, I think that uh, one of the best things about Andrew is he's very analytical. And he makes calls based on facts. He lets the data lead his decisions. So how many times have we renegotiated with our marketing? As much as possible. I mean, it's all the time. One of the things I wanted to say, too, is what are we doing? We're in December. Tell them what we're doing right now with our advertisers to save money. Yeah. Um, so we are uh, negotiating. We're prepaying uh, for all of 2020. Uh, it gives us a lot of leverage in getting discounts. Uh, but to mention, to kind of jump on what Tommy was saying, um, we you know we have all the data. So when we go to these advertisers, we can we you know they always say, oh you know you just give it another chance. You know you know it'll work. It'll, you know this, but we have the data. We we can say we can bring to the table. Say hey look. This is exactly how many calls that this mailing got. This is how many exactly the revenue, revenue generated. The revenue generated, and that gives you a good, really, really good leverage when you're negotiating, uh, getting your rates. Because um, there's, there's, there's no, uh, there's, that's what it is. That's the revenue you've gotten. You know, you, I've, you've probably heard it a million times. You know, give it another chance. You know, give me. I, I promise it's going to work. You know, you, when you track and you know uh, with all those tracking numbers, you have the data. Uh, you have that information, and it's the truth. There's, there's no. Uh, walking around that. I've renegotiated with pretty much every advertiser. Now, Andrew's doing the same thing. What I want you guys to think about, too, is when you prepay for the next year, we're saving 20% on some campaigns. Mm -hmm. So what is the reason we prepay? Well, if we're saving 20%, that's great, but also I can write it off. See, I can't write off my materials I buy till I sell them, but I can write off any advertising dollars spent before December 31st. That's legal. That's what we do, um, no one loves to pay taxes. I don't mind paying taxes, but our goal as business owners is to minimize our taxable risks and liabilities. So that's a great way, if you've got extra cash, is to renegotiate all next year's contracts by prepaying. And they love it because they're getting a big lump sum of money to get them and boost them into January. So one last thing I really want to talk about, and I think this was probably the largest catalyst of our business, is the CRM, which we use Service Titan. There's a lot of good ones out there. You, everybody knows I'm a big advocate of Service Titan, but what would I don't think we would be half of what we are today without it. Well, how important is it? So important. Um, I mean, from uh, a logistical standpoint, I mean, Service Titan it allows us to run our business. It's it's everything. Um, it's where all of our data lives. Um, you know, from dispatching to capacity. Uh, to, to every piece of data that we get, we get from Service Titan. Um, you know, from forecasting, um, it's, been, it's been amazing for us. So what are, what are we forecast? Around 60, so between 55, 60 million next year? Yeah. And we're going to blow it out of the water? Yep. All right, cool. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to add to the uh, 100th anniversary Home Service Expert Podcast? Uh, i just say, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. Um, but yeah, you guys are all awesome, but he's, he's got a lot to, a lot to teach us. He's taught me plenty. You know, how, how hard is it to work with me? Um, it's not too hard. It's, you know, you're, it's hard, it's hard to keep up with the energy level, which I'm sure you guys all know. He's, he is always on it and that's why he's successful. He's, he's got the energy. I, I don't have as much energy as him, unfortunately. Well, when you're working, you said... We're part of a book club here day one. We just read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And uh, <laughs> you said, well, I've worked. I'm a certain type personality. And there's only about 4% of us in the world. Tell me a little bit. Because owners are a certain breed sometimes. Sometimes they're not. But what is it? 
when you said that, you made me start thinking about it. So what is it? How do you got to treat someone like me? Like, it's good to know this stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess the things about uh, the thing about doesn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing about that, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Um, it's really people like Tommy, uh, people who are strong entrepreneurs. They're very, they're all about vision. They're all about idea. Um, sometimes it's uh, you really gotta try to. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> well, sometimes you just gotta slow down. Sometimes yeah. I understand. Sometimes. A lot of the times it's rare to get an entrepreneur with a vision that actually implements. And I think that's the hardest right. part is a lot of the people that I know have great ideas, but they never implement them. Right. And I'm a pretty good implementer, I think, but my biggest problem is keeping it implemented and actually hitting a finish line. Because the biggest, best thing I could tell you is you've got a hundred things you're working on today. Trust me, Andrew's got a thousand. And I'm coming up to him every day. Where are we at on this? How are we, was this moving along? How are we doing this? And the hard part for him is he likes, likes to get to the finish line on each thing. So prioritization mm-hmm. is hard for entrepreneurs. Right. And it's something that I've been working on. We had a consultant, Al Levy, come in and say, guys, you've got to focus on your top five. Top five things and hit the finish line. Once one hits the finish line, you could add another one. But prioritization is hard for us. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, Andrew, it's been a pleasure, yeah. my friend. Thank you. Andrew uh, was the employee of the month, what was that, three months ago? Yeah, a couple months ago, yeah. Yeah, how was that? It was good, good. It's good to get the recognition, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a little trophy that we hand around the office. Hey, tell tell them about the trophy. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a big giraffe trophy, and it's I think it's for it's for sticking your neck out, right? Stick your neck yeah, out for the company, company, and giraffes have the biggest hearts. Bigger heart, yeah. So because they got to pump that blood up to their brain, and it's the long neck. So yeah. big heart and put their neck out for the comp, risk their neck for the company. So. Once again, Andrew and marketing, if you ever have any questions, just get a hold of me and I can run it by them. All right, here we are with Angela and Laurel. Angela runs our call center department, and Laurel is one of the best call center reps ever. She's got the highest booking rate in the company by far. What's interesting, Angela's been here about two years, and Laurel's been here a little less than a year, but we were we moved buildings, so she got to see kind of where we were and where we're at now. Um but she had no experience, did you, Laurel? No. No experience. So tell me a little bit about what you did before you uh, worked here. I worked as a server for 10 years. A server. So I was a server, bartender, busboy. I washed dishes. I've done it all at a restaurant. I think that's a great spot to go to get great customer care representatives or whatever you guys call them. Um, what's a typical day like as far as how many calls do you take in a day? How many do you expect to book? What's your booking percentage? Between 80 and 100, depending on the day. So 80 to 100 calls, and you like to be, what's like your tolerance level? Where do you like need to be in your mind? 40. I like to book a day. 40 calls. Mm-hmm. And how many, like 90% at least, or what are you usually 95? 90, 95. Okay, Angela, Angela crafted our pay structure, <laughs> which it, it, it's not too complicated. Are you used to it by now? Mm-hmm. So... Angela, why don't you tell the listeners the awesome pay structure you came up with? Well, first, starting back, it's pay for performance. So you've got to take a look at your team and what are your pain points and and what are your goals. So in call center, it's always attendance and retention of the employees. That's Call center normally has a high turnover rate and people showing up for their work because it is very monotonous, mm-hmm. um, repetitive. 
So that was one of the key factors in the pay-for-performance. The other is a shift differential. If someone's going to take kind of a, a little bit more of a challenging, unfriendly shift, whether it's on a Sunday or it's a closing shift, you want to be able to recognize and reward them for that. Plus, generally, there's lower call volume. So you want to put them on the same level playing field as someone that's working during peak time, getting those back-to-back calls. Um, then the third is where, really where the money is, is the book rate, so the conversion. And everything's set on a tier structure outside of attendance. So we've got a top cap, 95% or greater. They're really at the, the top payout per book job. And then it tears down based on a range, and then it stops at a certain percentage. So anything below a certain threshold, they don't get any money for that category. So it, it allows them to know that it's not an all or nothing unless it's attendance, um, but they're able to continue to strive and be in control of their pay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're paid per book job. And So, so it's, 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 there's five main structures we look at, and the biggest weighted one is the booking rate per call. So it's minimum wage, or this isn't and, it's or. Minimum wage, which is 11. It's 11, and in January 2020, minimum wage in Arizona goes up to 12. Okay, so I didn't know that. That's good. Um, so $12 an hour, or your per call. So what did you make last week per hour? I think it was 20. 20? Mm-hmm. And then what's your best week? 33. $33 an hour. I love that, and I hope you make $40, $50 an hour next year. Because the more money you can make, the better opportunity to get the best people. So what I like about the pay structure is if you're making minimum wage every week, you're probably not doing the company any favors. No, and you're, you're not fully in the game. Yeah, you're not you fully invested. Correct. So here they know that even if we're understaffed, they know that's an ability to handle more calls, book more calls. And they're going to be naturally more efficient with the calls that they're on when we're in mm-hmm. queue because they want to grab more calls. So it makes everyone more drive towards the common goal of, of the company and puts us all in the same playing playing field. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool when you're out there trying to find good people in the call center to say, hey, one of our best employees in the call center made $33 an hour. It's not uncommon to make $25 an hour, but you're going to have to give it your all. And these are the things we look at. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, yep. Well done on that. So your history is you used to work and a huge call center for uh, Palo, right? Well, I, I ran both their um, online, or excuse me, their virtual call center, and also managed their call centers. We were vendor relations, so we managed their day-to-day. So but right now... history for 23 years. So 23 years, she was hard to get, because she walked away from my first offer. <laughs> and then, uh, then we worked it out. So one of the things I'll tell you is we've got a, a, a secondary call center. Mm-hmm. And... I don't really want to mention them because the, the service has not been great because they've got a lot of green people. They're newer people. But it's how important is it to have a second call center that if we can't get, grab that call, it goes to them? It's it's huge. Even if you're paying per minute or a, a dedicated rate um, for a backup call center. For nights, weekends, holidays. Not exactly. Or if you're understaffed for a certain day. If an average job is over $400, $500, but you're only paying... Maybe ten dollars for that agent. What is a job. what is a minute usually cost for a, a smaller company? Uh, buck thirty. A, a buck thirty per minute. So your average call is ten minutes. You might spend thirteen dollars on that call. Now you got to be careful. Some people, she likes it. I hate it. IVRs. That's when you have the options 
to press one for this, press two for this, press three for this. Uh, we had a guy come in, I won't go into too many details, but he worked for another large, large company, and he said the IVR sometimes can be detrimental because people don't like it. It's a little bit more big company, press one, mm-hmm. press two, press three. But, but it works well, especially if they need your service. So if they absolutely have to have your service, like at the movies, that's fine. But when they're calling around and they've got options, I don't think... I would have to. I would have to agree. I mean, even though we're a growing company, we're we still want to have that local small feel, and customers like that. They want to be able to have the phone ring, a person answer the phone. They can visualize that person sitting in a reception desk, and just there to help and and actually is communicating with the tech saying, "Hey, you know, I've got Susie. Go ahead and run that job, Susie. They're on their way." Um, but we are growing. The, the IVR, it's really an uh, auto attendant. The feature that I like is more to get rid of the spammy calls. Yeah, pre- so now we, getting... do, we do use it. Press any button. Right. So what do I say? I did the recording. I say... Uh, We've been getting a lot of spammy calls, calls lately. lately. So, so press any button so we know we're talking to a live person. And then yep. we'll connect you to a team member. We're going to be doing some testing because we'll be switching to a new uh, API soft phone. And we'll be turning off that feature and on the feature to kind of do some A-B control testing to see really what is our customer's threshold and is it a greater advantage just to remove it and just quickly and efficiently move through those junk calls that are coming through. So that's the hard part is you want someone like Laurel on opportunities, not taking calls, what is my technician or what's this warranty information or, hey, I never got my invoice. And those are wasteful. Uh, they're important but they're wasteful for, for a rock star that can book a lot of calls. So we're working on that system. And then what's cool about our new phone software is it transposes every single call. So anytime price is mentioned, I can look up Laurel and search for the word price and hear her at anything. But what's cool about this is I can easily make training videos and say, hey, look what Laurel does when she gets questions about pricing. Uh, so we've got explain our, you know, we don't have to be too much longer here, but explain Level one, level two, and kind of the way we do it here. Well, when an employee is first hired as a CSR, a customer, some people call them customer service representatives. I like to say sales representatives because everything they're touching is they're, they're selling on behalf of the company. They're selling our technicians. Or customer care. Yeah, customer care, yeah. customer service, customer sales. Um, but they start off as level one, which means there's certain things they're not able to, to provide, such as pricing, except for basic like labor rate, uh, trip charge. Uh, level twos, after they've been here for four or five months and they're in the top tier of payout, meaning they're in the top three, four of the payout threshold, and their quality is good, they have minimal errors on the jobs that they're booking, then they're made a level two. So this isn't, it's a promotion, but it's not, do you want the job, do you want to apply for it? They've now earned that privilege. And then their base wage goes up as well. Um, that's a part of the pay for performance outline. But then we've got the level ones being able to have additional support through level two. So it's not bogging down our team leads and supervisors to do these one-offs. They can focus on the floor as a whole instead of individual support needs. So level two really, in essence, becomes an escalations team member. So level two is a lot of good pricing, and then we've got the supervisors. How many supervisors typically do we have, two? Uh, two. So we like to keep our, our ratio a one to six, um, which honestly is exceptionally low. In call center, it's generally a one to 20 ratio. 
uh, 1 to 25 ratio. Um, but as we start expanding and growing, then we'll probably get a little bit more right-sized with that ratio versus a supervisor overseeing the floor, and then you've got team leads that are more at that 1 to 20. So we've got, I think, 95 seats out here to fill. Um, not Some of them are already filled. But what's cool is they don't know this, but this is something that I'm contemplating doing, uh, is I would love to take roster calls for smaller companies because we've got the power, the people that can book the calls. So if you're already on our CRM and you're, you're just busy, I mean, call centers are tough. Yeah. I mean, look, our booking rate is through the roof compared to even the third-party call center that we use. I mean, they're garbage compared to us. Yeah, when we subtract out um, our after-hours answering service, which also helps with overflow during the day, my team, Laurel and, and her other... Uh, Compadres. Exactly. We're at 90% or greater. So 90%, that was the goal I wanted her to hit. So here's the deal. Nine out of 10 calls we're booking. Now, I'll tell you this. If you hit 10 out of 10 probably getting customers you shouldn't be getting. So 90% is that threshold we want to be at. Now, there is a little bit of gray in there because we we are counting parts calls now. Or are parts, we not? Parts calls um, do impact the call center <coughs> metrics, but parts calls, if an agent has followed the proper protocol and trying to overcome the objections and try to get a tech out, are removed off of them, but it still stays under the umbrella. It still impacts the overall call center. We have an agent called Baby Tommy. Baby Tommy. And they get shifted under Baby Tommy, which is a part of the call center stats. Um, about half of the uh, calls that agents handle are not related to a new lead or a revenue-generating lead. So it could be an existing customer. It could be someone checking status. Tommy talked about that. Um, so what we want to do when we get on to the new API soft phone and we've worked out uh, some of the kinks and... We've got our recruiter kind of helping us right-size with growing the team is create that personal human IVR. And they're the ones that are new employees coming in, and they're simply answering the phones, handling those lower-stressed calls where it's check status. Yeah, they're, they're, simple make, ones. they're not a performance voice. Correct. So those they're would be $15, yeah. $16 employees that handle everything. So that way we keep our call bookers the best bookers yep. where they can make $40, $50 an hour. Yep. So. Super cool if we could start taking in the mom and pop shops around the country that are on Service Titan. Maximize, so we make a little bit of money as a company, but what's super cool is someone like Laurel could make 50 bucks an hour and she's happy because she comes in here wanting to do her job and make money. That's why she's here. Well, and she's um, not going to want to go anywhere else. Is she? Well, yeah, well, that's the, you know, it becomes a great <laughs> recruiter tool. So Laurel had no experience, and I'll tell you, she was employee of the month, what, two months ago? Just no, this, this month. This month. Oh, yeah, that was just, I was out of town. So Laurel's Employee of the Month, um, what are you annoyed by? Because we talked about this, but some of the, the coworkers you're with, uh, so maybe some of the millennials, um, just they're always on their phone, right? What yeah. else? What are some of the Calling other things? Calling in sick all the time. Calling yeah. in sick? So freaking aggravating. How, how often have you called in sick? Uh, I called in one time. One time. So. In almost a year. That's amazing. How often and do you get And that's because sick? I went five days Never. without hearing. <laughs> So, so that's a pretty cool concept. Angela, what are some other tips that you would tell some of the listeners about really setting up a robust advanced call center? Um, you got to have the right people in place. You've got to have the right phone systems and the right uh, reporting or the tracking to make sure your, your stats are accurate. Then from there, 
someone that has the drive and dedication to take your team to the next level, whether it's enhancing technology or, you know, people is our greatest mm -hmm. asset. So it's working closely with them and, and finding someone that can connect with the individuals to help them take their game up one, one notch. So interestingly enough, two of my managers switched to performance pay. Our market manager rolling out for performance pay. And Angela's going to be getting a performance pay eventually. But the cool thing is, hopefully in the next month, um, she'll make it at least what she made this year. That's one of the things that's important to me with managers is they never should see a performance as losing money. So I always guarantee that you'll make it at least the same as the previous year. So I think performance pay, here's what I love about it. If the economy is great and things are going well, uh, you can make a lot of money on performance pay. If it's not so great, you still got to strive and you can still make good money. But the thing is, is that if the economy just tears apart, we would go out of business really, really fast if everybody was on a six-figure, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, or if they're on hourly. I like to always tell the employees that when our volume is low, they're not going to be getting paid as much. But when our volume is high and they're booking more, mm -hmm. it's going to counterbalance that. So really we're, we're wanting to do whatever we can to impact the revenue. And if we're lower, if, if we have fewer jobs... We have less revenue, therefore, it's kind of a trickle-down effect. And my team, I think, has embraced that mm -hmm. pretty well. In fact, the pay period before last was Laurel's highest, where she hit a little over 30. And um, we were a little understaffed, but the volume was also higher than normal. And she was able to get the, reap the benefits um, from that. And our revenue was more as well. So Revenues, we're setting records every day, every week. Um, Two more things I wanted to cover. So what are some of the things you do when someone says how much are springs or how much is, in a, you know, what, what are Try to avoid giving price. So so let's just do a quick call. Hi, my name's Tommy. I live at 3956 Lowell Court, Sterling Heights, Michigan. It's my old address. Uh, <laughs> like, that came quick. Yeah. Uh, how, much, uh, how much are springs? I got a broken spring. It's best to get the technician out. Our springs are based off size and weight. So when that's it. That's, when are you looking to book? And then, okay, so then we charge twenty dollars, right? So how yep. much is it to get someone out here? Explain to me that. That twenty dollar trip charge. Twenty dollar trip charge. Now I don't want to pay that. Fully stock truck. And that's a fully stock truck. So I, what happens if I don't want to pay that? And I say, you know what? I got another company that's coming out for free. You have the right to waive that fee. So we have the right fee to waive it. Yes. If they move forward with our service. If you move forward with our service, so we try to get someone out there face to face. Their job is simply what, Angela? To get a technician in front of To the get someone to knock on that door face-to-face. Mm -hmm. -face. Uh, last thing I wanted to cover, and this is more of a dispatch question, but you're, you're both familiar with it, is we've got priority levels. So explain to me what a P1 versus a P2 versus a P3 is. P1 is priority one, priority two, priority three. He pretty much answered that. So <laughs> a P1 job would be springs, um, anything crash to do. Door. Crash door. Crash Urgency. Door. Emergency. Uh, we can also override it if it's uh, another issue that's really the job type is a P2, but their garage door is stuck open or a car is trapped. Then we'll just divert that and tag it as a priority one. Those are important for us to get out there and take care of the customer. So explain to me, so there's a little number next to each technician. What's that number? You can say it. It's for their performance. It's their rankings when it comes to conversion, sales, customer service. Mm -hmm. So the lower the number, the better they are, right? Mm -hmm. So what do we want to do with P1s in a perfect world if you're brand new? You just tell them the lower the number, match up with a P1, right? Yeah. So it's pretty simple. We want 
the best conversion, the best customer service, and sales matters, obviously. Sales matter. So well, it's uh, no different than putting in the perspective of a human IVR yeah. coming in and going, okay, here's here's a qualified lead. I'm going to get it to my top tiered three or my top tier twos first. And then if they're busy, that's when they go to level one. So so I like, I like the idea of P1, P2, P3. The one thing I want to start taking into consideration is how many garage do they have, when do they purchase the home, the dual income, the credit score, all that stuff, because we like to sell financing. And we know if a job is in a certain area with five wood overlay doors and they call for a tune-up, chances are four other doors need to tune-up as well. Mm -hmm. And there's a big opportunity there. So it's not sometimes dispatching is an art, but I I still feel like uh, we're going to build an algorithm that just says this one is the best, not based on – it's really marketing to the affluent. Like we've got a customer this year going to spend $700,000 with us. Um. When we get, if we have a hundred of those customers, that'd be seventy million dollars. So, I used to be a shotgun approach type guy, but now we're really starting to get concentrated on these nicer areas. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing: we are keeping track of our discount rate. So, we've got people at eighteen percent of their ticket; they discounted eighteen percent. We've got people at three percent. I like the number seven the most because that's where our top performers kind of live. A lot of the guys used to give stuff away because they call from coupons. Well, now we're getting a lot more Google calls, not as many coupon shoppers, and so you don't have to offer a coupon. Look, some people don't. I don't. I don't. I don't go to any of the Fry's or Albertsons or any of these places with coupons, and I don't expect it. I don't go. Do you got any deals? But so often people just automatically give this stuff out, and I don't understand. So, anyways, Laurel and Angela, ladies and gentlemen, they're amazing employees. They do an amazing job. Thank you guys for doing Thank this. You. All right. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Thank you. Hey. We're here up at the uh, A1 lounge area on the massage chairs now. I'm here with my MVP, Brandon Colby. He's uh, one of the number one technicians every single month. He won Employee of the Month this past month. And uh, he came on, had some issues. He worked for us in Prescott and Flagstaff, had some issues with the management. And I happened to be shooting pool one night. How long ago was that? A year and a half ago. year and a half ago. And... Uh, I convinced him to come back, and it's all been downhill since then. So, Brandon, what is? Uh, tell me a little bit about how you get ready before you pull up to the customer's house. Uh, what are some of the things going through your mind? Basically, just looking at the entire, like the outside of their house, the appearance. After I had the first impression with them, when I talked to them on the way there, basically just trying to feel them out and see who they are, what they value in their own home. It's like, all right, you got to make sure that everything's okay. They have a uh, basically, if you look at the outside, the trim's not good. I'm like, there's dents in the door, bottom rubber's cracked. Basically, analyzing before even talking to the customer. Because so, you already have previous knowledge about what's wrong with a garage door by just looking at the outside. Because it's kind of, once you're in the garage, you can't look at the outside again. So, kind of just... So, you get, you get that going in, and then what's your mindset, though? Even if you have a, sh- let's say you have a real shitty job. You go to the next call. How do you kind of clear... How do you clear that? Basically, every job's a new opportunity. It's time to make make it and do the best for the customer, do the best for the company, and provide an excellent customer service. So you tend, so one of the things we talk about all the time is best, better, good, and start with the best. And you always sell the best. Um, you very rarely sell a lower end opener, or you know, for the air conditioning companies out there, or whatever it is. You don't offer the cheapest first because you anchored at that. So tell me a little bit about, you know, one of the things I'll tell you about Brandon, I'll let him talk. 
he's traveled with me to state to state to state, and he trains guys in their own market that it could be done. Uh, to people tend to think, yeah, Arizona's different. There's more money there, but you've proven over and over again that that's not the case. Everybody that owns a home, they're going to want the best stuff in their home. They don't want to mess with it again, so why not offer the best product possible that we offer? Give the customer the option of just saying, this is what you want, and that, this is why you want it. And so you kind of put that thought in their head, and a lot of technicians, when they train with you, they tell me, man, he gets a lot of no's, but you don't care when you get a no. That's just, that's just, you're, you're not even there. So if someone says, no, I'm not interested, I don't you just get right over it. Yep, don't even do listen that? to it. Just basically keep on reiterating the same thing. And I have to get three or four or five no's sometimes before I even think of it because I'm like, a no is just, it's just another excuse for them. And they just don't want it because of the money. You need to tell them why they need it and why it's the best product because you're the technician. You're there. You you're know the what it is. Yeah, you're the doctor. Doctor of the garage door. So, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot is you're one of the only guys that follows the eight-step sales process that we put out three years ago. And when you train, you're following this protocol. I don't want to go much into the process, but what's the, what's the most important thing we talked about on a mojo call this morning? Start the work. Start the work. So... Start the work what they called you out there for, and then you could assess other damages and see everything else. But you already have that trust. You already have that work guaranteed. You have that money right then and there. And now you can examine every little part to it, having a safety inspection, go through every little possible thing in that garage door. So let's talk real quick. So you're one of the highest ticket writers, some of the best reviews, best conversion rate. Now here's the funny thing. Tell me about some of the tips you've been getting in the last couple months. I've gotten street bikes, hundreds. Motorcycle. Yep. Uh, cash, hundreds of dollars. on. You get dinner sometimes. Dinner. I have drive their cars. You got a TV the other day. Yeah, TV. You've driven their cars. Here's the thing. Everybody thinks price, price, price. Oh, you charge too much. Blah, 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 blah. It's not about the price. Fix it right the first time. We carry things. We carry 80,000 cycle springs. You only install the best openers that they can literally talk to their phone, open their door. It does everything. So why not? I want the nice stuff in my own house. I want the nice stuff in life in general. You don't want to like, you don't want to go into something and just you want the bare minimum because the bare minimum is just gonna fail later on. You go for the best. You fix it right the first time. Then you're not coming back. Then they're not gonna hate you. They're gonna just want you to come out and do your second door. Then you go into that second door instead of saying, hey, let's let's not wait and wait till it breaks. No, fix it all right now. I'm already here. I've already wasted your time by being here, taking care of it now. And then it's going to take more time out of their day for another day of work and the inconvenience. I'd rather make it more convenient. It's taken care of right then and there. So you've, you've trained a lot of guys, and I'm sure you've got some type of personality. I'll tell you one thing I see about you. I see it about some of our other top techs is they do like nice things. You've got a brand new Harley. Yeah. What, what's your truck you drive? A Raptor? Yeah. Two Raptors? Two Raptors, 14, 18. You got your own place in Scottsdale, nice house. So you like nice things. Um, I think about a lot of our top producers. What do you think are some of the traits, the qualities that you you'd identify to say, this guy's going to be good or this guy's going to suck? <laughs> Basically, how they want to live a lifestyle. Because if they want to live a lifestyle of basic, bare minimums, they're not going to then offer the customer the best product because they're, they have a negative personality towards having the best things. They, if they could just live on the bare minimum, they're not going to want to be the best. You want to always achieve to be the best, number one. That's why I strive for all the time. Be number one because I can sell it the right way and have the good reviews because people want to buy the right things. So so you, you're on Snapchat with, us, with like, what, five, ten guys? Yeah. 
And you guys always talk about your day. You're competitive with each other. You want to win. Uh, how important is it to keep score? Very important. And how important is it? Do you feel pretty good when you're... How, how shitty does it feel when you're number four? Uh, it doesn't want... I don't want it to happen, ever. See, there's certain guys that they, they don't care if... They say, as long as I made the money I needed this week to pay my bills, I'm fine. There's other people that have to win. And one of the biggest attributes I see with a badass technician is his willingness and want to be number one. He wants to win the game every time. And, you know, there's nothing we hide from you. You know on every single paycheck, every single job, how much you've earned. Do you know how many companies, they don't show their techs? I don't want to say any names, but they have no clue. And, I mean, we make mistakes. I'll be honest. We've made as many mistakes not in our favor as we have in our favor. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think you you know we're pretty transparent. Yeah. And I think that's an important quality. Uh, how important is it for you to have a relationship with the dispatchers? Great, because they're the ones giving you your jobs. And I'm okay. like, you treat them right, you treat the respect right, you'll get all the respect you deserve as well. So here's a funny story. One day Brandon was at my place and he was uh, upset about the dispatchers and I went, and I got, a, I got a gift card for him, and he gave it to the dispatchers. And uh, I said, how's that working? He goes, it's great. He goes, today I bought him coffee and donuts. So it was a funny story because sometimes you got to juice the wheels, although they should be doing their job of dispatching. The, here's what we always say. You don't leave Tom Brady on the bench in the Super Bowl. You, you make him play. And that's the same thing with your text. You should be keeping track. Obviously, there's not a ton of favoritism, but better opportunities should go to the better conversion rate, customer service, technicians. So we're pretty strong on the way we dispatch, but can, everything could get better. I mean, and what's really hard about a dispatcher's job is sometimes a job might look good on paper, but we were out there two years ago, and you got to really do your due diligence. What do you think the secret is to a great dispatcher? I think we know we've got a lot of great dispatchers, but there's couple in particular you like. Now, what is the things you really like in a great dispatcher? They look at the history. They look at the job, look at the area, try to route the best way, the less drive time. I mean, it's like if you have to run an extra job in that same area that you're only five minutes away, it's another opportunity. It's plenty of opportunity to make an extra little bit. And it's like, all right, if somebody hasn't been out there in two, three years, there's a lot of opportunity, especially if other techs have been out there that you know that you could, no offense, outsell them. And be like, fix the door the right way. Well, yeah, you know, sales is not a bad word, and I always talk about this. Is look, if you bring in your vehicle, the funny thing is, you bring in your vehicle at ten thousand miles, thirty thousand miles, then at ninety thousand, you got to change out all the belts, the water pump. The water pump's not bad, but you still change it out because it's at that cycle life of the water pump. Exactly. Well, there's nothing wrong in any industry by offering these things. I remember when we rolled out financing and no one wanted to sell it. And the reason why is because typically I never buy financing, so why would I offer it if I don't believe in it? But it's not our decision. So now, how many times have you used financing to close a deal? A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. I'm like probably at least 40%. 40% of the time he uses financing. That's how important it is. And I guarantee you, I guarantee 90% of the people listening, and it's, not, it's just something to grow into 2020. It start offering financing. Now, how important is to have it that you don't have to go into a separate app and you've already pulled in all their information through Green Sky with Service Type? It's great. It's just so easy. It takes them five minutes. It's done. It's approved. They have the money there. Now they want to make sure everything's fixed. They're like, oh, well, look, look at the second door. Look at this. Can can we add this to it? Because now it's just a small payment. It's not that painful right then and there of spending a certain amount right then. They could get it in a bill. 
And they're like, some of them are like, well, I qualified for 8,000, so how could I spend an extra 2,000? No. Well, like, well, we got garage storage solutions. Literally, that's how their mind thinks. When people get credit cards, they're like, well, I still got money on my credit card. I, but, the, you know, in my opinion, that's borrowed money, so I don't feel the same way about it because I get kind of a conscience when I go deep into debt. But anyways, uh, what are some of the other things that you'd give to some of the listeners? A lot of the people that are listening are business owners that they struggle finding great technicians. What would you say to these people that are struggling? Basically, find where your top guys are. Try to then have them interview some of the people that you're trying to hire and see if they find that they're gonna be good people for the company. Find your best guys, have them work with everybody else and train them to be better. And yeah, and, and I'll add on to that. If, if he goes out with a guy after two weeks and says this guy's not gonna make it, there's no ands, ifs, or buts. To ha- try to go through a process when, when, when some of your best people say this person's not gonna make it. Now they could be wrong, but for the most part, it's right. Why would I invest time, energy, and money into someone that might take two years to come around? The first thing you gotta have is the attitude. Yep. The next thing is you know the, the willing to succeed, the want to be number one. And the willingness to work late, like late days and not be like, I need to be home at this time. It's not a nine time. to five. No, it's and when you're in the service industry, you'll be out seven, eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. I'm like, just get over it. And I'm like, get over it because your family's going to be taken care of well at night. And it's like, why not? So, so you go, you don't go on a ton of vacations, but we give a couple. It's not a ton of money, but we do some PTO. How important is it to take some time off and reset every once in a while? Three day weekend. I'm like just that extra day, it makes yeah. it a tremendous difference. Three day weekends are great. What I hate to see, and it happens because we have families, but sometimes people take all two weeks at a time, and it's almost counterproductive to take that much time off. I've done it, um, and it's nice to clear your head. I come back, but you don't get as much vacation time in the interim throughout the year. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of things that go into finding a great technician. I always say, here's the deal. You got to find someone that looks appealing to the eye. They can't be gross. Uh, the, the next thing they got to do is have a clean driving record, background check, drug test. Then on top of that, they got to be good at sales, good at technical. I mean, it's not easy to find great technicians there. But the best thing you do is steal them from another industry. What did you do before you did a garage doors? Had a body shop that full collision, restoration, stuff like that. So very mechanical. So this is basically kind of a giant erector set. It's like you, so it's easy whenever you know your product and know how to fix it the right way, you have the confidence to be able to tell the customer what's wrong with their product right now and why they need a different product or to fix it the right way. Because if you don't know what you're talking about, you're going to get walked over hand over fist. You might be the best salesman in the world, but if you don't know the technical aspect of it, you're going to be a horrible technician. So we're talking about sales, technical, operational. Technical and operational, you got to get down, learn your CRM, learn to take a a credit card payment half down, learn to do a finance job, learn to do a post data check, whatever it might be, know the the system, the CRM, and know the technical side, because you'll never be good at sales, ever, if you don't know the first two things, technical and operational. How important would you say, I mean, that's pretty accurate. That's 100% accurate. I'm like, without that, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot. You're not having, you're not setting yourself up for um, success. You're setting yourself up for failure. So a lot of times, it's just crazy to me how often you get no, and you run right over it. Because you know, no one's wanting to spend that money that day. They didn't plan on it, and you come out there. When you sell a new door, though, what is it about? So, so even in the HVAC industry or, or plumbing with a new hot water, you're, 
Hot water heater, not so much because it's not curb appeal, but there's something about spending money on something new rather than a repair, right? Yeah. It's like when I, I remember I had to replace my five ton AC unit at one of my Scottsdale house and I was like, okay, I got it for four grand. I think something cheap, George did it. But my point is I felt a lot better about that purchase because it's got a 10 year warranty on it and it's not going to go bad. I've had to fix it every summer for the three years previous. So three hundred dollars here, three hundred dollars there, three hundred dollars there. I felt better about spending the four grand than I did about the nine hundred to repair it every year. And that's the problem. Like when you keep on repairing and coming back and coming back, it's like, like when it's not a good door to work on and fix, be like, all right, let's just replace this. Let's spend your money wisely and fix it. Now you have everything new on the outside. It's gonna get painted. It's gonna match your house. Everything is gonna be the best thing for you. Now we could upgrade you to a steel back insulated door instead of just a regular pan door. Help them out. Save energy efficient, make it stronger, quieter, everything about it feels more satisfying to a customer. Because they're like, okay, now we can do a little bit of repair right now just to get it fixed until we can order the door, the right door for them. Give them their options, show them what they want, and okay, match the HOA, match certain things, and see what they want. And then they're like, okay, then they feel happy, satisfied, then they're calling you back out there when the door's installed, just to see, okay, this is what it looks like. And they're excited, and then you have that relationship with them. Yep. It's, uh, it's fun watching this guy work. It's been amazing. When you get your top producers, you got to make sure that there's a rarity of a day that you're not training somebody. I mean, it's not as much as I'd like, but when there's trainees available, you're working with them. So it's, it's so important. If I go out, it's like, look, what kind of doctor would you want working on you? Someone that trained amongst the best or one that trained with the worst doctor ever? Obviously, you want them with the best. So, is there any other tips that you give? Uh, last minute, last minute thoughts. Basically, find their why. Why do they want to be a top technician? Why do they want to work for you? And like, because if it's about just a want to be a basic employee, a basic C or B player, they want to be an A player. You want to have the A players working for you. You don't want just the bare minimum guys. You want them to be the best. And basically, find that. How often do you ask for reviews? Ask, now I used to I used to not ask as much because I was trying to I was learning the system learning the operational now learning the operational it's like I'm asking for reviews all the time and I'm getting those good reviews they're calling I think you up and everything well the, the one thing you you got to personally ask for those and try to get them while you're still in the house so as you're cleaning up throwing away the scrap metal everything like that I think it's really really important because people are more likely to leave a review for Brandon than they would a one they don't know me they haven't met me. They're going to leave a review for the technician that they just met because he's going to say, listen, it'd be doing me a huge favor. Every Thursday morning, we talk about the reviews we get, and I want to be on that leaderboard for the reviews this week. And, that's and, then, and then you hand them your card and have them refer to all their neighbors. So we got, what, what happens if you hand them your card and they call us and we do the work? Make extra money. I'm like, uh, just to book the call. Because like, we have a recorded line and it shows that that was our business line that booked the call. And we make extra money. It's free money. 50 bucks. Yeah. They get 50. Every time they hand out their card and they call, he doesn't have to run the call. If he runs the call, he'll get an extra 50. But if someone else were to run that job, if he handed it out at a gas station and let's just say that uh, you know, Steve ran the call. You were out of town. Right. You still get that 50 bucks. So you're becoming a marketer for the company when you're out there at gas stations, restaurants. People say, what do you do? Hand them a cart. Now you're more incentivized to do it because before, you know, what's in it for you? Nothing. So pretty good stuff. Thank you, brother. No Appreciate problem. it. It's the best opportunity. I like this best garage door company to work for. Um, I don't think there's anybody else that's 
even close. I'm mm-hmm. like, just because of the experience, the, basically all the tools. You have every tool with this company to be successful. You have the training. You have the dispatchers. You have the CSRs. You have the managers. I'm yeah, like, the, and the owner. And the owner. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so basically, it's just an awesome experience. And then all the camaraderie between all the different employees, all the different markets. Everybody works together. We all talk. We have group messages between the whole company. If anybody has a question or a concern, we could help each other out at any time. So it's basically everybody working together. It's a family business and it's a great family business. Hey there, so I'm sitting with Bree and Bree is my assistant and she's been with me a long time now. And funny story behind that is she worked for me for probably eight to 10 months and then we went separate directions, uh, which I'm not gonna get into, but it was a good thing. She was moving on a little bit and then I came into a rut, I needed her back and we made things work. but. You know, Brie has to work around crazy Tommy all the time. She's the one that sets up my schedule. She also sets up the podcast. She also sets up the apartments. She also sets up, shoot, when anybody needs something in the company, they go to her, especially if they need to meet with me. Uh, She handles a lot of the travel. It just goes on and on. She's been with me on trips, the speaking engagements. Uh, Brie, what is it? uh, Well, first of all, I'm just kind of curious. You do really good at task-oriented things. What do you think it is about someone that has to work for someone else that makes somebody better than others? Mm, Definitely being organized and um, putting, like, the highest priorities first. So, like, tell me today, for example, what what you were doing or what you you got going on. What does Mm. your day look like? So you get in here around 7 a.m. and I get Mm. in about 7.30 so the first thing I do is I open up the calendar. Like that's the first thing I do because I have to know like what your day's like, even though I know it like the back of my hand. Um, and then I open up your emails. I go through your emails, respond to the ones that I can respond to, print the ones out that I have to go over with you, and then go through my emails. Okay, so today you were working on a lot of stuff. We're working on some stuff for the Christmas party slash some gift card stuff. Mm -hmm. You organized and redid all those files. Mm -hmm. I have three presentation PowerPoints. Then you're helping me organize a huge closet full of stuff we've had for a long time that just needs to get straightened out. And then what else did you have? Um, I had a couple things I had to do for Luke. Um, I don't know. I have like a whole to-do list. It's just... So you've got a whole... You come in here, you make your list, and you start crossing things out, and you prioritize them as they go. Uh, have I ever been mad at you? Yes, multiple times. Why? Um, because it doesn't get done as quick as you think it's going to get done. Have you, you? I think you just think, like, you can snap your fingers, and it's going to get done so fast, but I don't think you realize, like, what really goes on, like, behind it. That's true. There's sometimes I don't realize... But I would say, have you gotten better and better? How long would it do you think it took for us to kind of you be able to know exactly how to respond to people? You had to get to know me. You had to know what emails I need to look at right away. You knew what comes first and learn how to prioritize. How long does something like that take for the people out there thinking about really getting somebody like you to come help them? Definitely a couple months. But if you don't have any like experience in doing it first, like I didn't. So I like I feel like I failed the first time. 
And then I left and I got like a lot of experience with being organized and, you know, putting together like lists and prioritizing everything. And that helped. So when I came back and then I know you and I know like the way you speak and like, you know, what you need. So it just made it 10 times easier. So we're really friends outside of work, too. I think that's important because we work together all day. Today, I asked you a question before I even knew we were going to do this. Is that where our desks used to be right next to each other? Oh, yeah. And uh, now we're in separate offices. And you said, well, sometimes I used to like being next to you, but also privacy is good. And shoot, you have like every single guy and gal in the company come visit you at least for 10 minutes a day because uh, you're an easygoing person. And you know what's nice about Brie, too, everybody that's listening, is she's kind of my eyes and ears of the company. She lets me know those important things. I don't get involved in any of the drama. But she tells me what's going on. She says, did you know this is happening? Did you know they're going on this trip? And some of it's important, some of it's not. But you kind of decipher what is it not. You don't come with every single thing. But I think it's important because you're the voice. People want to get a hold of me. They get a hold of you. You don't let anybody in my office before they go through you. And you say, no, he's got something coming up. You're my biggest thing you are for me is two, two, twofold. You're my time management and you're my organization. And I would say that there's other people out there that are listening that might say, I'm really organized and I'm good at time management, but maybe you're not good at something else that that assistant could help you do. And I hate the word assistant because it's almost like, I just think you're just way more than that. It's just like, a, I don't like the, the title of that role. So I think that, uh, you know, maybe we'll change it to like compadre. No, <laughs> not happening. <laughs> compadre. This is my compadre. But what, what else would you say, you know, owners are difficult to work with. Owners, sometimes that we do, we think we can snap our fingers. Mm -hmm. we, think, we think an email is going to turn out like we want. Or we think when you help me with a PowerPoint, I think, what, what, why would you do it this way? You got to have a thick skin, right, first? For sure, yeah. What else do you think it takes to meet somebody great that's going to be great as a role to, to help do something like that? Mm, I think they really have to be patient. I think patience is key in a lot of it because... You can get so overwhelmed by just with one task and if especially if there's a deadline set and you know say that deadline's coming up but you have 10 other things to do like stuff starts to pile up and it's not easy and then and then you have you and then you're just like well why didn't this get done and you're like well you know i had all this other stuff to do and then everyone else is asking you to do things so it just it gets hard well you don't really close your door very often i'd say that might be a skill set when you really have a deadline other times you'll stay here till seven at night. You even come in on the weekends when you have to, which yeah. is unbelievable. You've got a laptop. You do stuff at home. You're very good. You've got. Well, tell everybody what you have on your phone for me. Your calendar. You've got my calendar. Email. You've got access to my email. Mm -hmm. You've got basically anything you need, and I can ask you anytime what's going on, and you'll come fix something or do something to my computer or whatever. But it's important. Like I don't want to get held down by the minutia of the daily. The little micromanagement things that you're so good at. And I think that's great that, you know, we, we've worked together. We, we've actually learned to work together. And you're so good at the details. And I don't care if I could say to everybody, I don't love the details. I'm a macro guy. I want to be the owner of a large company and be good at relationships. But more importantly, keep my time frame. Keep, keep my organization. And you really... You were disgusted. You were like, we need to organize this. You collect junk. We need to throw stuff out. I'm going to go through this. And you're good. I just say, go ahead. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Mm, I remember. No, you I, don't. <laughs> I said get rid of a lot of stuff. 
But, you know, going into this this next year here, I- I'm so glad. The podcast has been a pretty good success. Mm-hmm. You've helped me since the beginning. We've got, what, 100 episodes now. This is our anniversary episode. And um, it's been going good. You know, we've been getting a lot of guests. It's only beginning, been getting better. And it's excited what the future holds. I think we're up to about 15,000 downloads a month. You've met a lot of these people. I've traveled to see a lot of the podcasters that, that have been on the podcast. Uh, it's very, very exciting that you've been a part of this. And uh, I'm excited that I have such a cool assistant that I get along with so well. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. Keep up the great work. So sitting here with Daniel Dryman, he was the October Employee of the Month. Uh, he started out, how long have you been with us? About three years. Three years, you started out as a technician? Yeah, I started as a technician. So and now you are a field supervisor, you train, and you're the lead door salesman. Oh uh, yeah, that's all three of those hats on my big head. Okay, and you, potentially your goal is to, we talked about it this weekend, what's your goal? Yeah, so I've got two goals um, kind of for two of those three positions is I want to be uh, essentially the the lead field supervisor or the supervisor of the field supervisors. Uh, I've taken the initiative to try and reach out to the other field supervisors and try and mentor them and see if there's something that they're doing that I can grow from uh, because I'm always willing to learn also. And then as the lead salesman, I want to get to the point where I'm doing exclusively the custom and high-end stuff. Uh, so my day's booked with appointments of, of high-end clientele. High-end clients, meaning high-end door sales. You're not going in selling a $200,000 house, the basic run-of-the-mill. You want to go to the custom and big apartments and yeah. more higher-end, bigger-ticket stuff. Um, you know, t- explain to me what we do here with the junior te- the apprentice program and moving all the way up the career path. Yeah, so essentially we, we've developed a program here where instead of taking other people's developments and trying to build from there or reprogram, uh, we've, cre- we've created a culture where you can start off as an apprenticeship, you learn the basics of what garage door parts are, how they coincide with each other, um, how to pull stock from the inventory, and then you uh, start your training from an apprentice in the warehouse out to running in the field. Uh, you learn the trade. You learn how to work on a door. Uh, use our facility here to train and learn what a hung door is, how to do a spring job. And not just how to do a spring job, but how to do it the A1 way. How to do it the right way, the most efficient way, the safest way. And, what and do, where do we have this stuff? What's the right way to do it? How do you find out? Uh, it's all in our, our employee manual or the handbook, depending what you want to call it. So we have right now about 30 manuals. So you start as an apprentice, and then you move up to? To a junior technician. And then you move up to? A technician. And then? A senior technician. And then? Field supervisor. So you got a good career path here. And now how much, last month you could say it, how much last month did you make just for, not including any of your other pay, just the field supervisor position? Uh, my bonus for field supervisor? Yeah. Uh, Twenty-seven fifty. Twenty-seven fifty you made last month, so that's on top of all your other pay. Mm-hmm. So overall, it's going pretty good for you. You're 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 hitting all your goals, your KPIs, all your metrics. Uh, I know you have some outliers on your team in a good way, yep. mm-hmm. so it's kind of easier to hit. Uh, so you're going to Michigan for two weeks. You live in Phoenix. Well, you live in East LA, just <laughs> like Buckeye. Um, you're going to Michigan for two weeks. Tell me what you're going to be doing for me out there in Michigan. Yeah, for two weeks, I just booked the hotel and the airfare today. Uh, going out there to ride with all, a lot of the guys that are, A, not so much the new guys. I, I do want to ride with them. I want to see 
now that we've kind of uh, cut their leash and set them into the wild, I want to see what they're struggling with, what weaknesses they have, something they've, a roadblock they've encountered. But I also want to ride with the guys that have been struggling as well as spend some time with Jake, a field supervisor out there, and develop that market to start moving towards its potential uh, because Detroit's got so much to offer. Um, we can expand. Uh, the population there is is immense. It's it's a great it's a great area. That's where I'm from. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you think when you, when because you, you're actually now a recruiter in some sense. Yeah, to because you want to get people on your team that help you to hit your goals. And there's conversion goals, there's customer satisfaction goals, there's sales goals. Tell me a little bit about what you look for in the tech. Now, you were the guy that told me, go to Discount Tire to recruit. Absolutely. And you worked at Discount Tire. I did, I did. Yeah, so great people, great training program there. Uh, tell me exactly what you look for in, in, in a guy that you think is going to be win the game. Yeah, so uh, personality, um, the way that they have their linguistics or their, their conversational skills, uh, how they can articulate, how they relate to someone. And that doesn't mean you have to be Harvard educated. It just means you can't be a stick in the mud and you have to be able to relate to people. Um, you have to be personable. Um, and then some willingness to do mechanical work, not necessarily mechanical aptitude. Uh, I mean, I, I tell the story all the time. One of the greatest guys I've ever trained was a, a bartender and he was a great technician. He didn't even know what a ratchet was when we started training, but he had the drive and the will to learn. He would take notes. He would actually uh, record conversations between the two of us and write down key phrases that I would use when I would be talking to a customer. Mm-hmm. Things of, you know what, hey, that makes sense. I should use that. It's working for Daniel, why shouldn't I? So not that I'm you know, the gospel or anything, but success shows itself. So if I'm doing something that works, you're more than welcome to use it. I, I want us all to succeed, we're on the same team. Right. So other things I look for is just, um, like I said, listening skills as well as the ability to communicate outwards is to communicate inwards. You know, if I'm at a restaurant and a server doesn't remember half my order or says they're going to bring a drink and doesn't bring it, I mean, that's something we don't want because they're just going to do the same thing in this industry. Uh, But one of the reasons that I always say to discount tire guys is because they too breed a culture. Yeah. Um, They have a vision and a mission statement just like we do. And they talk about how certain things aren't just about making money. And you talk about it all the time. You don't want us to ever sell anything that the customer doesn't need. Um, don't ever want to be disingenuous. You don't want to be, you know, any sort of you know, used car salesman stigma. We, we want to talk to the customers and show them with a benefit of what they're doing and why we're going to do it that way. So the ability to listen to the customer of what they want, be it a bartender that I'm ordering a drink from, uh, a waiter that's ordering my dinner or you know taking my order, or or the guy at Discount Tire. I don't want to walk in there and say, hey, I've got a Yugo. I'm just trying to make this thing last to the end of the year. And all of a sudden, they're trying to sell me lifetime warranted Michelins. You know, you want to be able to listen to the customer. That's huge. So we've got a, a, an A-step sales process. Part of that is asking a, a lot of questions, but we ask guiding questions. Uh, one of the things that I got pretty upset about, this was about six months ago, when I hear somebody say, I got this lady yeah. for this much or something like that. and. And you should never say those phrases, I got this person for this. You should say, this person was intelligent and spent the money they needed to get the job done with the best parts possible. And yes, I made a healthy paycheck because of it. Yeah. So that's, I think that that's important. That's something I've told all of my guys and I've told anyone else who wants to listen to uh, is if there's three parts to it, if there's 
keeping A1 or the company you work for in mind, if it's keeping the customer in mind and keeping your paycheck in mind, if you just focus on doing the right thing, both for A1 and the customer, your paycheck will fall in line. If you're doing the right thing by the customer, making sure that their door's not gonna break again in three weeks when you leave there, just because, oh, this customer had a coupon, you know, I'm just gonna do what they asked for. Just tell the customer, this is what you asked for. This is what you need, or hey, your door's great, congratulations, everything's going well, I did just this, that's all you needed. This is how it works, and let's get out of here. But if you do the right thing, and you keep the customer's best interest in mind, as well as the company's best interest in mind, your paycheck can't help but to be fruitful. What's the, uh, I don't know if I should ask that. I was going to say, what's the best week you've ever had? <laughs> I'm not going to ask that. <laughs> but, you know, there, there's, it's not uncommon if you're selling, there's times that you've sold 50 doors at a time to an apartment complex yeah. or a big community. It's probably not uncommon that you can make five grand in a week. I know that's not the norm. Yeah, it's definitely you know an outlier. But I mean, to answer your question vaguely, uh, my best week was more than my my field supervisor bonus. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, so that's cool. So, what other advice would you give out there? I think you've talked a lot about you're big into culture. And you're big into leadership. I'm a big fan of of making leaders here, not just managing people. Yeah. And I don't think you should be managing more than six or seven direct reports, direct people. Uh, once you get more than that, things start to fall fall down. Explain to me a little bit about field supervisors. So four days in the field, the fifth day, what happens? Yeah, so you work your, your normal, whether it's me as a door salesman or, or as a regular technician. And that being said, you don't necessarily not be a field supervisor those four days either. I'm still fielding phone calls from sure. both the technicians, the office, the customer, whatever has to happen and take care of those duties at those days. But the fifth day, you ride along with one of your, your direct reports, one of your technicians. And you have how many? I have six. So you have a little bit more than most. Well, um, seven if we count. We have one that's on military duty. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. So so you can handle, yeah, and I don't mind you having seven because you're hitting all your numbers. Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, what point do you say... I need to replace somebody in my team. I mean, I don't think you've had to do that. I haven't yet. I mean, there was definitely some discussions and some thoughts about, is this guy trending the right way, which kind of sort of leads into the answer is, I don't terribly mind someone who's not... Um, a top producer. Not say a top producer, but also the fact that someone that's not taking 100% of the coaching. But as long as we're making just like football... Baby steps. Forward progress, if we're moving those chains... If you're doing a little better than before, I'll take that. But if you're just stagnant, I mean, I hear my dad yell at me in my head all the time. If you do the same thing you always done, you're going to get what you always got. Um, Albert Einstein, that's the definition of insanity. Yeah. If I'm trying to help someone and I'm trying to help someone, either I'm not helping them and they need to get help from somewhere else, whether it's another field supervisor or someone from the office, maybe I'm just not connecting or reaching that person. Yeah. You're not getting through. I'm not getting through. Um, but at that point, you have to look inwards and see if, if I'm the problem or unfortunately that, that person's not the right fit for the company. Uh, and I, it hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, I did have a thought and had to really think about it, but this one employee has made baby steps. And, and I'm okay with that. Forward progress is all I ask. So at, at some point, I think you either got to manage people up or Unfortunately, that's the law of your Up or out. So Daniel does a really good job at communicating with the customer. Uh, obviously, how important is it? Now, this is hard for everybody. I, there's no, there's nobody listening that can't do a better job of follow-up. How important is follow-up? Follow-up, you know, that's something I struggled with for a long time. 
Um, I did what I had to do. I mean, I always kept in contact with the customer, especially when they're showing interest. And it's all too easy to filter or to judge of, you know what? They're going to call me. I got that one. They're going to call me. Or the inverse of, why am I going to call them? They, were, they had zero interest. Just because that happened at that time, they may have something else on their mind. You know, they may have had bad news in the morning or maybe they weren't feeling well. So to shake those and really follow through to follow up is huge. Um, take an hour out of your day and just follow up the last, you know, 10 people you have there. And if you do that every day, you're going to keep a steady flow of follow up. Uh, because you're going to field questions that maybe they didn't know to ask you. Uh, maybe their other spouse came home and they asked questions that they didn't know the answer to. Um, or maybe they changed their mind. Uh, you were there and they told you they wanted a non-insulated door. And all of a sudden they talked to their neighbor or their father-in-law or whomever and said, you know what? Insulated door is not that much more. And when you were there, they could not even care less. Well, you got a whole. You got a pretty good way. We've got a pretty good way of doing a presentation. Most people don't know what they want. That's true. We kind of build into their mind. How important is this presentation folders we carry? I mean, it's the process. We ask the questions, and it's consistency. And here's what's the beautiful thing about consistency is, you see the same things every time. It starts to become second nature. It does. It's kind of like in your subconscious. It lives there, and if it's working, keep doing it. If it doesn't work, you kind of modify it, but. You know, that's why we teach the A1 way. Now, it might not be the best way in every single circumstance, but at least we know the outcome. Yeah. And I think that's important. Uh, I think that uh, the eight-step sales process, what's the number one thing we talked, what's the thing we talked about today? Uh, today? One of the things. Uh, the morning mojo. <laughs> no, I was on, too, and I'm putting on spot here. Uh, we talked about... Going, what's one of this eight-step sales uh, process? Selling it right is one, one thing that we've been main, talking what's about. What's the main thing, though? That I'll, I'll give you a clue. And, uh, start the job? Start the job. Start Get the them job. to make a buying decision with you. We did talk about starting the job. That's what we did talk about. But no, uh, yeah. I was focusing on something that I've been struggling with my team is the final process of selling it right and making sure the customer is 120% in satisfied. Under, satisfied and understanding what they got. Tell them all the bells, the whistles, the features, how it works, what it looks like when there's a problem, how to either call us or to maybe adjust the safety eye by themselves. You know, take the extra 5, 10, maybe even 20 minutes if, if it's that in-depth of a job or an elderly person that you need to slow down with. That 20 minutes will save you hours on a potential call, callback where now you're not making money and most importantly, A1's not making money. And you may even potentially get an upset customer that blasts us on social media. And so that's the eighth step is sell, right? And part of that is... Look, it's going over the warranty. It's running the door up three or four times, showing them how the safety eyes work. I blow out their garage. I clean the unit and clean my fingerprints. I put my sticker. I show them the sticker. I let them listen to it. And the most important thing, here's the final step, is you say, listen, while I'm here, is there anything I can help you move or anything you need a hand with? That little step Absolutely. is starting start something that I've added. That little step says, whoa, this guy's human. This guy's cool. I don't get that buyer's remorse. You see, the buyer's remorse, you just walked out of there with 500,000 bucks, whatever, and you're like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. See you later, peace. But now you collect that check and you say, listen, I'm going to run you through some things. I went ahead. I took your manual. I wrote down the serial number. Here's how to answer this. Here's how you work your phone. Here's how this is done. By the way, I really love your house. You have the greatest family. I love that dog. Is there anything you need a hand with while I'm here? Absolutely. Uh, I can't even count how many times I've helped clients bring groceries in the, in the house 
or um, one of my go-tos is when I'm at a house with multiple doors. You, groceries, house. Right? I don't think so. Hey, I've been offered dinner more than <laughs> once uh, this year. But uh, my other thing is if I see that there's two two houses or two uh, garage doors in the house, all the time I'm like, hey, do you have a burnt-out light bulb? Do you have one on here? I'll throw a light bulb in there for you. And obviously, not charging labor. It takes me 45 seconds to walk yeah. over and change a light bulb. But that goes so far to go to the customer. I'm like, wow. Not only do you care about how this worked, he cares about his job, and he cares about leaving me, you know, better than satisfied. You know? Yeah, it's called raving fans. It's better, and what do I always say? Better your best. So mm-hmm. even the best employees here, they have goals. They have goals to be better. Look, I don't care. If you're running a marathon and you run it in, let's say, seven hours, I don't know. Should your goal be to always hit seven, or should it be to hit six, six and four, six hours and 45 five, minutes? Uh, so last thing, give me some... Um, I'm just going to say pros. I was going to say pros and cons about working here. But tell me some uh, – give, give me some good good things that – you know, I think we've got a pretty good team. You're buddies with all the managers. Yeah. You're buddies with all the field supervisors. We hang out. Yep. Um, I'm not – I don't know how to Harley guy like this guy, but uh, – One of these days. Give, give me give me the, uh, the good. Yeah, I mean, most importantly to me is, is you're coming into a quality company with a culture that cares about each other, that cares about the client – but also, it's up and coming. We were, up is the only way to go at A1. So for me to come in three years ago and now be where I'm at now, um, and I can only imagine where I'll be in three years, and that's in a good way. Um, I want to be here forever. I mean, I don't plan to ever try to find another job. And that's something that makes me sleep better at night. Um, they said the culture of someone who cares, and that goes all the way down to our support staff in the office um, from every position. And we all have our personalities and bad days and whatever, but long story short, if you have to band together and say, hey, listen, this customer really needs X, Y, Z, I'm off, can you do this? Or The culture is really good and getting better. Um, it only goes up. Yeah, uh, it is. It's a great way to, to pay the bills. Uh, you know, so you came in here into this very office, what, three days ago, four days ago, and had an issue? Yeah. And you sat down and did we resolve it? Oh, yeah. Within, what, an hour? Yeah. Well, that is not all me, but listen, that you don't come to me hardly ever. Nope. But obviously things weren't getting done in a certain department. We worked it out. Hey, I love it. I love it that people can still come in, come into my door when something's bothering them and they're not getting it resolved. That very rarely happens, yeah. but it needs to happen. So anyways, great work, brother. I appreciate you a lot. Hey, I just wanted to take a quick minute and thank you for listening to the podcast. You know, most people don't understand this, but the way that the podcast has grown is when people subscribe and they leave a review. So if you would please, 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 why it's top of mind, take a quick minute to subscribe and leave a quick review. It'll help me out so much. If you just took a little bit of time right now, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate the listeners and the feedback. And also when you subscribe, what I'm going to do is let you know the next guest coming on the podcast and I'll let you email me anything you want me to ask that next person coming on. All the pros I have on here, I want your feedback. I want you to subscribe so you can start giving me the questions you want me to ask and help us grow together. Also, I'm giving away my book for free now. All you gotta do is go to homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash podcast. You gotta cover the shipping and handling, but I'm giving the material out for free. It's 200 pages, it's a hardcovered book. Homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash podcast. I appreciate each and every one of the listeners and thank you for making this home service expert podcast a success. I hope you're having a great day and thanks again.